Little Passports is the perfect holiday gift for that curious kid on your list. With a subscription to Little Passports, kids get a fun-filled package each month designed to inspire their curiosity in geography, world cultures, or science through hands-on projects and activities. For kids of all ages, find special holiday offers and order today for holiday delivery at littlepassports.com forward slash lucky. Hey friends, welcome to episode 49 of the Lucky Few podcast where we are shifting the narrative by shouting the worth of people with Down syndrome. This is Heather, Mercedes, and Micah. And today we are so excited because we're going to be joined by someone who happens to be a very dear friend of mine. Her name is Rebecca Lyons. She's a national speaker, a best-selling author. Um, she is pretty amazing, guys, and this is going to be a great conversation. But before we go there, in... Less than two weeks. Less than two weeks, friends. I don't know how many days because I'm not great at math, in, like off the top of my head. <laughs> it's our live event. We don't know. We don't know. It's 10, 10, 11, or 12 days, somewhere around there. <laughs> On November 21st is a Thursday. It's going to be our live recording, our live podcast event. Um, this is an event that you need to come to, not for Mercedes, Micah, and me, although we're going to be a good time, right, ladies? We're, gonna, we're always a good time, y'all. <laughs> that is for sure. But our guests, friends, we're going to be in a pretty intimate setting with the one and only Jamie Brewer, who is an actress with Down Syndrome. She's best known for American Horror Story. She's also walked in New York Fashion Week. She was the very first model to do so. And she was in... Um, a very successful play in New York and she's got a whole other slew of things she's done. She's phenomenal. And then we have Jared Kozak who's on a new show, a new cartoon on Nickelodeon called the loud house. And he is a man with down syndrome. His character has down syndrome. So he's a voice actor. Their agent, talent agent, a name, a woman by the name of Gail Williamson. She also represents a handful of other incredible actors who have down syndrome and she's going to be there she is um doing so much for inter- for the down syndrome community and the disability community in the entertainment industry she is a powerhouse so all three of them are going to be there to take our questions to answer your questions to hang out with to take pictures with plus mike and mercedes and me could there be a better night so no. much Woo-woo! fun. Is Christmas better? No, not even no. Christmas. Do you get presents at Christmas? Yes. But, but do, do you, you hang out with us? <laughs> no. No. Unless you're our family. <laughs> then you're coming for free anyways to support us. So just <laughs> But tickets are available right now. Head over to the luckyfewpodcast.com. Grab your tickets today. They're super reasonably priced. There's going to be snacks. There's going to be fun beverages. There's going to be a lot of fun things. Those are the two things off the top of my head. We're super excited. <laughs> yes. Fun beverages and snacks. Yes. And it's going to be family friendly, date night, yes. girlfriend night, whatever it needs to be. Right. Come to that. So fun. All right, guys. Um, let's get right to it. Friends, welcome to let's the Lucky it. Few podcast. Okay, friends, so I'm so grateful to get to welcome a guest who is well-versed on the topics of both rest and stress. Um, She is a national speaker, a best-selling author of You Are Free, Be Who You Already Are, and Free Fall to Fly, a breathtaking journey towards a life of meaning. And she just came out with her newest book, Rhythms of Renewal, trading stress and anxiety for a life of peace and purpose. She's also a mom of four children, two of whom have Down syndrome. She's also my friend, IRL, which stands for In Real Life. Um, Rebecca Lyons, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. This is so fun. I love you, girl. Oh gosh, I love you. So I have to just tell our listeners, Rebecca and I met because we spent a week on a bus with 25 other women in the Holy Land. We did. <laughs> yes. I'll never it forget is, it. It I was remember a life the, changing. It was. I'll never forget my first conversation with you. I think we were eating some 
whatever food that we had never had before. But you were just so sweet and engaging and fun. And I was like, I don't like this girl. I'm like, where do you live? Like secretly hoping we live near each other. You're like, well, I'm in California. I'm like, okay, well, I'll just have to find you when I visit. (laughs) Yeah. So perfect. And then we've managed to stay friends and see each other and be in the same spaces, which is such a gift. And Rebecca has two kids with Down syndrome. So tell us a little bit about your family. Sure. So my oldest, Cade, is 18. I have a man child and he has Down syndrome. So he was born when I was 26. And I found out six hours later that he had that diagnosis. Of course, they had to confirm it confirm it, you know, with geneticist testing. He did not have a heart defect. Uh, so within five days, that was confirmed. That was my entree to motherhood. And then two years later, we had Pierce and then Kennedy. So we have three high schoolers. And then just last December, we brought a little girl home from China named Joy. And she also has Down syndrome. So we have 18, 16, 14, and now six. So, oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah, so Kate and Joy are our Down syndrome bookends. I say bookends and I hold that loosely, but I really, I feel like we're full. <laughs> but, yeah. you know, um, one day at a time. We would have never thought we were adopting, but it was a three-minute conversation every three years. And mm. uh, we always felt that pull, but we lived in Manhattan for half that time. And, you know, we had the three kids lined up like three bears in the master and then but I would fall in the second bed, you know, in the bedroom on our Mm -hmm. bed. It was a thousand square feet. And I just wasn't really sure how to make that work, adding another one uh, in that context. But we're in Nashville now. We've been here five years. And so we adopted her. We really started that conversation again about three years ago. So now she's home. She's been home for 10 months. Wow. I got to meet her last year and she's lovely. She's spicy. She is such a sass. Oh, I like it. But like, funny, hilarious, like for, for sure. Joy bomb. Um, like if you were to walk in my home right now, she'd greet you and hug your legs. Hello. And hug your legs before you could even like realize what was happening. Like she'll come at you like a tornado. My high schoolers, you know, all had prom homecoming happening these last couple weeks. So my daughter's whole class, I I would say probably 40 kids came over and they all wanted to take pictures outside and joy would have thought it was her prom. She, (laughs) she wanted to be in every photo. We're like, no, 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 you're wearing PJs right now. They're dressed up They They worked for this. Like, but she was got her feelings. Like, are you serious? Like, this is my party. Everyone's at my house. Why would I not be just posing with every guy that looks handsome? (laughs) Right. I love that so so much. So we let her do a couple of them and then we were like, let's just greet everybody. That's your job job and she did it with full force <laughs> full force so sweet i i want her in august to meet because august who's my youngest he's five he'll be six in december he has down syndrome and he's super introverted so when someone walks in the house if he doesn't know them he's just kind of like uh like i'm gonna go in my room and play with my toys by myself right. but then he like warms up and loves people so i would love to see what what they yeah. would do together how if august would be like too super endeared to her or be like okay yeah. this is a lot You know, I think, well, she's really, you know, and I think part of her being in an orphanage up until she was five and a half, she's got, she's become great at reading people. And so Mm. one thing about, they say about class, like we had our parent teacher conference yesterday. And one thing about her, she's quite a nurturer. She actually notices any kid who might be struggling, Mm. who might be sad. She goes over and pats them on the back. She's like, it's okay. It's okay. And she's always, she'll even do that with my oldest Cade, who he also has Down syndrome and he's kind of in this adult space. We could talk more about it, but (laughs) I, I think for him, there's a frustration level even that he internally feels sometimes like I should be doing more. I want to do more. I don't have vocabulary to always express Mm. what I, what I'm feeling. And so she picks up on that because she's so gregarious. She's like, Mm -hmm. it's okay. It's okay, Kate. And she'll like pat his back and hug him and try to comfort him, even though she's, you know, the orphan that's at home. (laughs) But she just wants to make sure that everyone's okay. And I think part of that was her survival skill in the orphanage to just read the room, like discern who needed what. So if she was too much for Augie, I'm sure she would rein it in. (laughs) Yeah, I love it. So good. I feel I've heard that. uh, And I feel like that with my kids too, a little bit different, but people with Down syndrome are a lot more in tune emotionally to a room. And I noticed that. I don't know if you know that with Cade too, but with my kiddos in a room, Mason and August, the way that they can feel and read the emotions in a room and how it actually affects them is, it really is such a gift. I think it's one of the beauties of, for them with extra chromosome. 
It is a gift, and it's also what makes our family, the, four, the other four of us, go, do we deserve them? Because <laughs> if there's any bit of tension or conflict, we read it on their faces, and then we're like, look at us. Why are we arguing about the dumbest things? And they're just looking at us like, what are you, what are you doing right mm-hmm. now? Like they don't you need to understand what we're fully saying. They just understand that we're not being kind. And it's mm-hmm. so humbling and so convicting <laughs> because you've got right. a barometer of health, like right. relational <laughs> health staring at you. <laughs> right. I love it. And sometimes nonverbal, but they don't even need the words. They, they can just do. look at You're you. like, okay, yeah. I feel like that evil. It's like, it's not even like the evil eye. You know, it's not like the, the mother who's like looking at you with scorn. It's or like, you're like you know, like you did that wrong. It's more just like you almost feel their confusion and sadness in it where you're like, okay, mom needs to put herself in timeout. She needs to actually figure out why she's so frustrated about whatever the thing is Mm -hmm. and then come back and just apologize because man, goodness, it's not easy. No, it is not easy. And I want to, I want to talk about your book because it has so much to offer us as moms raising kids who have disabilities and which is the majority of our audience. And I feel like we could sit for an hour and just talk about our kids in life, but this is a podcast with an audience. So we'll, we'll go there. Um, so, so your latest project is called rhythms of renewal. Will you just dive right into that? So, and I'll, I'll ask this, I know I'm an author and a writer and I know when a book idea, I feel like after I have, I write a book, um, I'm pretty exhausted from it. And then people are like, what's next? What's next? And I'm like, ah, I just wrote a book. Like I got nothing. This is it. We're done. And then it comes right. Like then it's like, this is the thing. I don't know if that was your experience with rhythms of renewal, but how did, why did you decide this book? What was happening in your life? What, why is this important to you? Well, I hope this is the third and end of my anxiety trilogy. (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, nine years ago, our family moved to New York city from the suburbs of Atlanta. And we lived literally three kids, two toy poodles and a minivan in midtown Manhattan. And, uh, Cade, my oldest with Down syndrome at the time was nine. And then Pierce was seven. Kennedy was four. And they were all starting, they were in elementary school and Kennedy, you know, I was ending my decade of being home decade of full time diapers, Cheerios, poop, like all mm-hmm. of that was coming to a, 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 a halt. And I wasn't mad about it. And I thought <laughs> that I would almost rediscover or get reacquainted with who I was before kids, not, not to forsake that role, but to just add to it and go, okay, what can I do outside the home again? And so I started taking Parsons school of design, like night classes down in union square with kids, half my age. Cause my background was in design, interior fashion. I just loved it. But four months into my time in New York, I had my first panic attack and it was on a flight, uh, back to LaGuardia at midnight. We hit horrible turbulence and I wasn't even afraid so much about the turbulence and crashing. I was afraid of being trapped in the back of the plane. And so for me, my panic disorder rooted out of claustrophobia, which is really a metaphor at the more mm. I studied about it, of feeling trapped in a circumstance or, or a situation or a relationship where you don't really have any control. And it reminded me of the first decade. So at this point, Cade's nine, but it reminded me of that first decade of having Cade. So the day Cade was born, um, it was emergency C-section, failure to thrive. He didn't grow the last trimester. I had lost all my fluid and his heartbeat was in the 60s. So we were already mm-hmm. thinking about neurological damage, getting mm-hmm. him out as fast as he, we could. So they, they gave me two epidurals within 20 minutes. So I started being paralyzed on the table, couldn't breathe. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of PTSD attached to that day. I thought I was dying, literally told the doctors I was dying and they whisk Kate away and I never got to hold him until mm-hmm. the next day. So as a result, um, once his diagnosis was confirmed in that first year, he had croup and strider and RSV, which a lot of kids with smaller airways do in cold weather. So I felt like we were in the ER a lot in the middle of the night. Like we would hear him start to wheeze and we knew we had moments to get epinephrine in him at the ER. And so Gabe and I got very used to having sweats by the door, ready to Mm. run and be at the hospital in four minutes. And um, that was just a way of life that we didn't realize how much we lived in this fight or flight, like chronic panic response. Coupling with that, he became a runner as a toddler. You know, Mm. he would just be like, oh, I'm going to run off at the mall or I'm going to run off at a water park or I'm going to run off. When we got to New York, he, he, I had all of Boston college helping me find him in central park. And then the parks and Rex brings him back (sighs) on a golf 
part, right? One night, one time, in um, I had the kids doing like a read reading room at Barnes and Noble downtown in uh, Tribeca in Manhattan, and it, there's an adjacent Bed Bath and Beyond. He darted from the group reading the book, went to Bed Bath and Beyond with bare feet, and started like shopping. And I found him checking out like a Vitamix at the self checkout. Oh so, my gosh! Again, he's like 12, and he right. thinks it's an adventure. He thinks it's yeah. fun. He's not lost. But for me, as a mom, I realized New York was this pressure cooker where all that stored up, just panic that I would always feel those that first decade turned into like just this feeling of just chronic fear. And it was not just on planes. It was trains, elevators, subways, crowds. So it was everywhere. And yeah. that lasted for a good year. And a lot of people have that now. But for me, I had never known anybody. I didn't even know what to call it. I just knew my heart, my, my body was responding as if I was being held at gunpoint. There's just wow. this panic room thing, yet there's nothing physically happening to you. And so you're just trying to make sense of why your heart, your adrenaline is through the roof and your heart sounds like, feels like you're having a heart attack or you can't speak. And then I'm a person of faith. And I remember crying out to God in that season and I just couldn't make sense of it. And I'll never forget one night. I just, in the middle of the night, my bed no longer contained to tight spaces. I was having a panic attack out of it asleep. And I just cried out, rescue me. And I was flooded with peace, like a peace that mm. wasn't mine. And I was like, God, I don't know what this means or what this looks like, but I felt there was like a grace to start some level of a healing journey. And it was slow and it was three steps forward, two steps back. But I started meeting with a lot of women like me, gripped in fear, one in four, struggling with anxiety, depression, not really sure what to do next. And I started studying mental health. Um, and over time, you know, that, that pain became purpose. And I started writing books about it and teaching about it. And I didn't have another panic attack for seven years. It was amazing mm. because I do think, um, sometimes our anxiety, the root of it is, is, is connected to unfulfilled responsibility. Like there's this sense of like, you almost know your life and mission is made for a story that's bigger than what you are even seeing. And yet when you start to let that pain play out in a way that can help someone else or encourage someone else, there's a purpose to it that, so I went from having panic attacks on every air airplane to having to get on a plane every week to talk about freedom wow. and to talk about healing and talk about mental health. And so it's kind of the great irony of God to just go like, I was in the fetal position saying, well, I always struggle with depression in my walk-in closet in New York city. And now that is what I do. I mean, I, my heart passion is to help other women like me who are walking through these dark days and yeah. feeling despair and going, this is not the end of your story. Yeah. That's amazing. And so your first book really tells that whole story, right? Yeah. So Free Fall to Fly chronicles the crash and burn. And then You yeah. Are Free is really store, starts to be about like, here are all the places where sometimes we, our worth is attached to our latest accomplishment and just getting to the, getting to the root of like, what kind of freedom can we walk in? And then this last one, this new one is really about practical daily steps because I okay. felt like a lot of readers would come to me on the road and say, okay, I start to feel like I'm coming out of this hard place, but I don't really know what to do. Like, can you just, what, what have you done for sustained emotional mental health, you know, yeah. cause we've got like counseling options. We've got medication options, but then we're like, what if we don't want to be on counseling on medication forever? What if we can't afford counseling? Like, right. are there actual like free practical tips that, that, that raise serotonin in our bodies or raise oxytocin like that actually help the chemicals shift because God just actually established boundaries and rhythm in his created order. And when we submit to those rhythms and we walk within them, we actually, we live a life of peace. But when we get outside of those, that's when chaos ensues and we start to spin out. So I had to articulate that. I had to live it first when you said, mm -hmm. how did you get this idea? I mean, I had to start walking it slowly myself for the last several years and go, wow, I'm starting to feel like I'm not getting tripped up in the ways mm -hmm. I used to just yeah. because I've had this intention every day. Yeah. Yeah. And so in your book, you talk about four rhythms. You talk about four rhythms. Will you tell us about those? Sure. And how they, how they work together, how they create space and balance in our lives. Uh, sorry, I'm going to interrupt you for you that. And I just, as, as our, as I'm listening to you, I haven't 
I haven't had any kind of anxiety or depression like you've explained, but I feel like this, it doesn't even matter just being a mom, right? Or just being a human. We need these things in our lives. So as people are listening, it's for sure going to benefit anybody listening to, to hear what you have to say, to read your book. So tell us about that. The four rhythms. Well, one piece of study that was very insightful for me is right now in society, 77% of us, so almost four out of five of us are experiencing physical symptoms of stress. So that Mm -hmm. looks like a mind that won't quit, sleepless nights, shallow breathing, a racing heart on some level. And so we might not have panic attacks and we definitely might, maybe we're not even struggling with any form of depression, but we do have this low hum because we don't feel permission to stop or to rest or pause. Mm -hmm. And so uh, the four rhythms are rest, restore, connect, create. And the idea is that the first two rest and restore are input rhythms. They're rhythms that fill you up and replenish you. And I know so many mamas like us don't have much time for that. It Mm -hmm. it feels like a luxury. We're not sure where to carve that space in. And then the last two rhythms are connect and create. But the problem is, is if we're always doing the output rhythms of connect and create, we'll eventually burn out. We'll fatigue. Mm -hmm. We'll just always feel tired. And, and you can't give to our kids what we haven't received personally. We can't give them health if we're not healthy. So uh, we have to take that role seriously. And it's not indulgent. It's, it's actually how to actually be the best version of, of a mom that you are. So, so for me, rest, I write extensively about routines for deep sleep. Mm. about morning routine. If you did have a good night's sleep last night, then how do you start your day? The first hour sets the framework for your day. So I I walk in detail of just, here's examples of a great way to start your morning. Uh, I talk about pausing, like taking, pausing your everyday routine for maybe one day and take inventory of your life. That's the first chapter because I, it's never too late to reestablish what you want your life to be about. It's never too late to rebuild a life. It doesn't mean that you change drastic things, but you pause long enough to answer four questions. What's right, what's wrong, what's confused, and what's missing. Mm -hmm. And when you give yourself permission to answer those questions with brutal honesty, right? Like nobody's going to grade you on this, but when you get, then you are able to finally expose maybe what you've internalized, or it's been a low hum of a chronic, like, I don't know, I don't know what to do. This is all confusing. I thought it was going to look like this, but it looks like this. When you can actually get that out, you can start to walk, uh, walk it out in healing and, and almost have more clarity and direction. If you're doing that with your spouse or you're doing that with a dear friend or whoever that is, um, it's not swirling in your brain. It's actually mm-hmm. going to have some outcomes that are positive because you took the time to go, this thing's not working anymore. I haven't wanted to say it out loud, but once I did, you can't heal what's hidden. So mm-hmm. part of the whole point of this book is get back to being human and make sure mm. you're not hiding stuff. Uh, yeah. let, let it all get to the surface, the struggles, the disappointments, the frustrations. Be honest with yourself and be honest before your people. Um, be honest with God and just say, I, I want to invite you into these places of pain or, or confusion. And I want you to show me um, some action steps. And so take in, inventory so important because then it sometimes allows us to quit something. You know, mm-hmm. maybe, maybe we have done four extra things out of duty or obligation that might've worked in a season prior, but right now it's just that little bit of margin that we do not have anymore. And it's robbing right. us of rest, which ultimately robs us of strength. So that's yeah. rest for them. Restore is physical health. So rest for me is spiritual health. It's like, okay. am I okay? Is my heart okay? Is our God and I okay? Like we got to answer that first. And then we go to restore it. It's like it. It's physical health. Like, am I strong? Am I tired all the time? Do I need energy? And so there's a lot of science in here about a brisk workout, how that raises serotonin, about walking, it unblocks um, mental, like creative blocks. Mm -hmm. And it also also just like, again, makes you happier in general to get outside. Uh, There's, you know, using um, your diet for fuel, 
as Mm -hmm. like being mindful about, am am I living off caffeine and sugar or do I need to really take inventory of what I'm eating? And Mm -hmm. when I see the spike or the dip, am I trying to like let down at night and ramp up in the morning? How do I have sustained physical health for my family? Right. So that's restore. And then once you've done those two things and you've, there's so many examples in the book, like, um, one that I think applies to us mamas of kids with Down syndrome is um, the chapter called Permission to Play um, in the Restore Rhythm. Mm-hmm. This idea that play and control cannot coexist. <laughs> <laughs> and a, recover- so good. a recovering control freak, I, a self-admitted, <laughs> um, had to learn this lesson the hard way through my children and realizing that part of Restore is to recover that, that fun and that mm-hmm. curiosity that we all had as kids and to let our kids even bring us back to those places. Because part of like, it doesn't matter if you're killing it at work, if you're not happy and your yeah. kids feel that you're not fun to be around. And so part of restore physically is like fun, like get back to play, um, seek adventure, find that, that part of yourself that maybe wouldn't take a road trip now, but probably should, or just do something you haven't done before. Like our imagination is, is stirred by novelty. So the more Mm. you put new things in front of you, you actually start thinking about new ideas. So it stimulates that. And it's like, you're never too old to be a lifelong learner, find ways to stimulate you um, mentally so that you're encouraged to do that for your kids. I know for me, if I'm not reading a lot, I was called Becca book as a kid. And if I'm not reading new things that I get kind of curious and excited about, then there's a part of me that's dying in that area. And Mm -hmm. we we can't, we can't again, give kids um, our best selves if, if we're not growing personally. So those are the first two. And the last two are connect and create and connect is relational health. So, Mm -hmm. and this I think applies so much, um, at at home in family, um, you know, do, do my, we talked about this earlier about like, do my kids see conflict? You know, am I withholding forgiveness from someone? Um, I, am I leading with vulnerability? Am I apologizing first? You know, Mm. at some point, you know, if there's conflict, whether or not we feel like it's weighted in one, one party or the other, it doesn't really matter who's going to apologize first. Um, and we have parent, we're parenting teens. So we're having to talk through things like tech detox and, mm. you know, getting away from your phone and giving a hug, how like a prolonged hug uh, increases oxytocin. It gives you connection and belonging and how we want eye contact and we need to be physically present. And our kids, our kiddos with Down syndrome, they're the first to read that. Yep. And the rest of us are like, <clears throat> Oh, we're fine distracting ourselves with our phones or our screens. And the truth is it's actually the worst thing because our kids then want to default to that too. And then everybody's basically in the same room, but nobody is talking. Nobody is actually connecting. Nobody is feeling attachment. And, um, so devices for our family have become a big deal to make some real ground rules around them. And it's not fun to right. enact some things with teens <laughs> that they've had more freedom with before, but we're like, we're sorry. Um, your frontal lobe isn't fully developed yet. And that's all about self-regulation. So we're as your parents going to help that for you <laughs> until you are moved out of this home. So they still have them, but it's more about like, when do we turn them off? When do we never have them at the table? What time of night are you done? How many hours a day really should you check? You know, so yeah. we've had to really restrict that for ourselves first, because yeah. you your kids to do something you're not doing, but then also um, to see our kids. Because I think a big dynamic in Connect is how are the siblings doing with each other? And we've got two high schoolers who are free and independent, and one of them's driving. Then we've got Kate and Joy, who is also in high school and then a six year old who sometimes feel like, wow, I'm starting to feel the gap here of being left behind because yeah. it's a social life that just won't quit. And I can't hang in all those spaces in the same way that you do because, um, I have my friends, but there's not, there's not as much independence that's allowed for that. Cade can't drive himself and just go show up right. at a friend's house. Um, so we're navigating that in new ways of going to our other two, we're not trying to add to your plate with like, you have to do all this caregiving for the kids, like for, for Kate and Joy. Um, 
we just want your relationships to be really strong with them. Mm, we want good. you guys to love each other. Like we know you love each other, but we want you to really like each other. Yeah. And when phones get in the way of that, um, we're just, so we did a trip. We did a fall break trip last week and nobody was allowed to take their phones and they were, yeah, get it girl. They were not happy. And by day, <laughs> by day three, day three, um, Pierce and Cade were besties again and joy and Kennedy could not be separated. And I'm like, you guys like each other. I just wanted to remind you <laughs> that when you take out the distraction, you guys have the most fun. And we just, we have to, unfortunately, we just have to regulate that a little bit to help our kids out. Um, because they even at the end are like, thank you for doing this. Like yeah. we, we want this too. Yeah. It's so interesting. Like just talking about the devices real quick and the importance of connection. Cause I'm so curious what like your kids and my kids, what their generation will be because they've always had devices. And I, and I'm, I'm curious and I want your opinion on this too, within the disability community, and I know, especially with people who have kids with Down syndrome who are littler, like devices have become a really important piece for them for connection, you know, like the, a device, an iPad to be used for communication or to help with routine or to help with transitions. Um, and I, we are very, we are very anti-device in the Avis home. Like my bless Mason, my oldest is 11. She's in fifth grade and she doesn't know how to use an iPhone because we don't let her touch it. And that's why she's had no opportunities for learning. And now I'm to the point where I'm like, shoot, like all of her peers know how to at least navigate an iPhone. Like, do we, do we let her, you know, like what, where are you at with, with that? Well, first of all, she will learn how to navigate it in 2.3 seconds. Right. <laughs> so you don't need to, you right. don't need we to don't give need it to her for that reason. <laughs> I don't know how they figure it out. Oh my goodness. Here's the difference. If I were to go back, I would not have given Kate a device as early as I did. I thought baby okay. Einstein could teach him better than me. <laughs> right. Okay. Which was wrong. That is not true. Yeah. Um, Joy, on the other hand, never has had her own device in an orphanage. And so now that she's home, she still does not, has not, she's no, only looks at a screen in the minivan when we go somewhere. Mm -hmm. And, um, because it's almost like, Hey, this is the one time you get to, you're sitting there anyways, you might as well enjoy it. But at home, nothing. And yeah. she is more engaging, playful, curious, mm -hmm. imaginative than Kate was at her age. Now, granted, mm -hmm. I understand there's all different varying levels. Um, but I look at Gabe today and I'm just like, I, I, this became a crutch more than it became a tool. And it's hard because it's, it's a babysitter, you know, right. on so many levels for so many of us who are, we're just trying to put our best foot forward. There's no shame here. This isn't right. like me, right. you know, pointing fingers. I, I'm guilty. And, and at the same point, I'm like, I don't know what I would have done exactly differently. Cause I had three littles and I didn't know different, but I do think you're onto something. This is the first generation raised basically completely in a digital world. Right. And the reason why it's scary and alarming is so many of these kids are on medication for anxiety, for depression, because basically this is a call. This book is a call back to being human. And it's hard to do that when you have something staring at you 24 seven saying, never turn me off. Right. Your, your body wasn't made to like live within the boundary outside the boundaries of the circadian rhythm. But because of technology and the industrial revolution, we have machines that always stay on for efficiency. Mm. But then that tells us that we as humans should stay on for efficiency. And that's why every single one of us are spinning out. That's why yeah. our kids are actually on their phones and average on social media apps, 9.3 hours a day wow. right now. That's not going to be good for the most rational, sane totally. adult. So right. imagine a kid that's like my whole life is watching somebody else live their life. Yeah. And oh. it, I mean, it's, 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 it's sad. It's sad. It's and wild. so I think when we look at our kids with down syndrome, I have more conviction and passion about this than I ever have with an 18 year old going every day. We restrict it more and more mm. every day. We're now like, okay, just at bedtime, 
And then mm-hmm. really bedtime last, he'll get like, and he doesn't even watch. We took off YouTube. He literally just listens to music on Spotify, but he loves those songs. Mm-hmm. But what it does is it still isolates him to his bedroom where he wants to just be there versus a karaoke machine in our living room. Right. So I'm like, I'll just play your music through the karaoke machine and the disco ball and you enjoy can sing and dance. Because to me, it's about, it's not the music's not bad. It's the isolation that's bad. Right. And a device always forces isolation. And so while we think it's connection with the person on the screen, it's isolation from the people in the room. And as a family unit, that's critical that we feel like we're together and connected. Yeah. I I hear you. I just am amen. I'm amen and all over the place here. It's so good, Rebecca. um, We only have a few more minutes and I want to have you just talk to the the listeners in a real practical way. I, I hear what you're saying. And I feel like for myself where I'm at, I have a really, an incredibly supportive husband. My kids are, we're in the season that we're not in it. So I feel like zero to five, if you have a kid zero to five years old and multiples, I call that you're in it. Mm-hmm. So I'm not in that season, but I think a lot of our listeners are, and we have listeners who they're like, my kid is in the NICU for the next month and I've got another kid at home. Or when I am home, my kid, if they're not literally touching me the entire time and they sleep in my bed with me and they're watching me pee, you know, like right. I'm sure you hear this, like what? Yeah. There, everything you're saying, I believe it. I hear it. There's, I can't do it. You know, right. like there's, there's right. that idea. What is something that our listeners like real practical today, something mm-hmm. they could do mm-hmm. that can start to get them into these rhythms. Right. Oh goodness. It's yeah. a hard one. I know. I remember <laughs> it so vividly. I'd be like, when is nap time exactly? So mm-hmm. I can take a shower. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, and I feel for, I feel for you. I know that. And I think, um, for me, it, I had multiples. I had three in diapers because Kay did not poop on the potty till he was six. And at, by then Kennedy was already one and a half. So, um, we had Pierce that was three and a half. So I think for me, rhythm was so important because I had to somehow figure out how to have at least one hour of the day where all three of them were having some semblance of a nap. If they slept great, if they didn't, they had like reading time in their toddler bed or something. Mm -hmm. But like I had to have one hour a day where something overlapped, where the worlds collide (laughs) and I could have a moment of pause. And it usually was that afternoon because the mornings, the older ones drop their morning. But in the afternoon, I was like, if we could just somehow time an hour to 90 minutes where everyone has quiet in their own space, they have books piled around. Maybe they just play with one of them plays with Play-Doh, but because independent, independent play is very important. Yeah. It's, it's gotta be fostered in them. They cannot actually be entertained at all times or they'll never learn to create, which is the last rhythm we didn't talk a lot about, but working with your hands and tactile sensory toys. So joy, I mean, at all times we have, we have Play-Doh out, we have scissors out that she can cut it or like plastic knife. She likes to like basically draw lines on it, or she wants to paint with water or just having it out and having Mm -hmm. a space where like, this is your book time. I walk in the other day, she's got a pile of books next to her and she's just going through them because Mm -hmm. we've done so much book time as a family. She's curious to read them herself. She's not reading, but she loves to look through them. So I think like give your, give your kids the space to try, um, knowing the things they love the most and maybe just set a timer for 30 minutes, you know, but hopefully they'll sleep at some point, but try to find that one window a day where you can not be in the same room. Um, if possible. And I think in that moment, just do some slow breathing for yourself. You know, one thing I tell people to start out with is like a meditative, you know, prayer where you, you slow your breathing from what it normally is 14 to 16 breaths a minute down to six. So it's like Mm -hmm. a five second inhale, hold for a second, and then a five second exhale. Mm -hmm. If you do that about like, you know, several cycles of that, that last three to four minutes, it calms your central nervous system. And literally you start to be flooded with peace. Like everything starts to slow down, give yourself that amount of time and just say a refrain or a promise or a prayer or whatever you want to in the middle of that. It just helps the overwhelm. Just keep it at bay. It really does. And then like, just, I would even child's pose. Like, I don't know how many of you do yoga, but like for me, child's pose or kneeling 
also slows your breathing. It puts you in a posture of release. Even if I just get in my closet, shut the door, have a pallet laid out of blankets, yep. I just literally child's pose for a minute and just say, I lay down the stress that I've been carrying this morning and I receive the peace of God yep. right now before I go back out and start engaging these kids again. Like even yep. just that one practice for six weeks will change your life um, in so small and simple ways. Yeah, I hear that. And I agree. I've been practicing yoga for a little over a year now, um, pretty intentionally. And one of my yoga instructors always says everything you need, you already have. So you breathe that in, like everything you need, you already have. And I, uh, that's sometimes all I can do in a day, you know, it's like take a minute to step aside and maybe it's only like three minutes and I get to do some deep breathing and it changes everything. It changes everything. It's, and I feel like it is a practice available to everybody at some point in their day, you got to make it happen. A big, um, a big one, very practical, quick step is get outside. If you can good. just, yeah. I don't, you probably can't leave far if the kids are inside, but get outside, get on your porch, get some actual sunlight, you know, mm -hmm. sit and, um, read a book for 10 minutes, but get outside, walk around the house, get active outside, do a walk if you can. But that to me, walking every day is literally critical for my um, mental health. Same. Some version of a walk outside. Yeah. Same. Um, okay. There's so much more we could talk about, but friend, you're going to need to pick up your own copy of Rhythms of Renewal. This book is a gift, Rebecca, to the world, to us mamas. I'm so thankful that you wrote it. Um, two things before we go. If you just want to tell everyone there where they can find you, and then we're going to jump into we do a segment called Good News that I didn't prep you for. But what? But we ask everyone, um, we know when we're raising kids with Down syndrome, that to, to celebrate the little things is is a di is different than our other kids who are neurotypical. So we celebrate the little things. We celebrate the big things. It's a segment called Good News. So where can we find you, girl? Just RebeccaLyons.com or at RebeccaLyons on all social media, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. My name is spelled R-E-B-E-K-A-H-L-Y-O-N-S. So you can find books wherever they're sold. We will have all of the links in all of the show notes, friends, right now when you're, as soon as you're done listening to this episode, go learn more about Rebecca. I think she, you're traveling and speaking. You're going to be all over the place. So there's chances in the next few months you can see her in person and do that. And then tell her you heard about her on our show and she'll give you a hug. She'll give you a hug anyway, but I'll hold it and then it'll raise oxytocin. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> and you'll be a little uncomfortable because you're, she's but holding you for so long. But then you'll feel so connected long. and like you're loved and belong. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Little Passports is the perfect holiday gift for your curious kids of all ages. Little Passports delivers fun-filled packages right to their door every month with engaging, hands-on activities, interactive projects, and unique souvenirs just waiting to be discovered. Little Passports monthly subscription are designed to spark children's curiosity about geography, world cultures, or science. From exploring sea creatures in Costa Rica to building a big bend like the one in England or making an ancient Greek headpiece, every month is a different adventure that will fuel their imagination and spark their natural curiosity of the world around them. It's a perfect gift for kids 3 to 13 this holiday season. Find special holiday offers in order today for holiday delivery at littlepassports.com forward slash lucky. Okay, friends, so we are back with the part of the show that we call Good News. Mike is not here to sing us in. It's just me. I'm not singing today, guys. But welcome to Good News, where we share and celebrate the little things and the big things and everything in between that our kiddos with Down syndrome are doing. Rebecca, do you have some good news for us? Yes. Well, I shared, I think, for a moment with you earlier, but we had uh, Joy's parent-teacher conference yesterday, and they finally found breakthrough for her for motivation because phonetically she was trying to learn all her alphabet sounds because, again, she's still learning English. She's only known Mandarin up until nine months ago. And so through this song and motion, she now knows every letter sound. She counts to 10. She is tracing her name Amazing. more clearly than ever. And um, she wants to keep up with her friends. She's mainstream. She gets a little extra support in her reading and her math, but she loves it and really wants to keep up with what they're doing. Um, but they found this point system, this 
this reward system where they have like a little Velcro attached to a laminate star. And once she gets five, she gets a minute to do like her favorite, play with her favorite puppet or favorite little spinner thing. Um, and they're like, it's working. Like all her behavioral, like, no, I don't really want to do this. Mom, where's mom? <laughs> um, <laughs> it's like, this is working. They, I think they were as excited as I was. So that was really good news for her early first quarter of kindergarten. Yes, that is huge. I love that so much. Rebecca, thank you so much for being with us. Thank you for sharing that good news. All right, friends, I have a good news. Um, so t- this very day, I went on a field trip with Macy, with her class. Macy has the greatest little group of girlfriends at school. There's five of them. It's like the like the four core and then a fifth who joins from time to time. <laughs> and I was in her class. I knew the other, I knew the three that were part of the four core and the other one, I won't say names on here. Um, Good. I didn't know who she was. And Macy talks about her all the time. And I was in the class before we were leaving and there was a girl who walked out and my heart is drawn towards the underdog. And so there was a girl who walked out. She's by far the tallest in the class, which I was always like, she's very tall very skinny and gangly braces i mean she is like a fifth grade classic you know in in literally in all the best ways i'm really not making fun i'm just like i love this girl and i know that i know like there's so much i'm like she's probably made fun of she's just so tall her hair is really frizzy and it just was a lot and i loved her and then that was the friend so i'm like mason who's the other friend you're talking about so the whole way we it was a we walked a mile to go to a certain place for this field trip and the whole walk it was like the five of these girls like mason and then these four other girls including the tallest girl in the class which mason's <laughs> the shortest which is my favorite and did they walk by my house? no no but other kids did from the a bunch of kids from the school went on the field trip so it just blessed my heart she has and these girls it's not they're not doing her any favors like they genuinely adore mason and friendship is so freaking important and so, sweet Mason Hope, she's got her crew. I love so Good freaking news. So wonderful. Micah, what do you got for us from another, from a follower, a listener? I, I have, uh, let's see, we've got a listener and it's actually a mysterious listener. Ooh. I have no name here. <laughs> but, and I've got Ace and here. Ace is next here. To me, we love you, And Ace. he wants to really hit the computer hard. I know you do. So here's what our listener said. Good news. In the last month, I've watched a best friend of mine who has Down syndrome land an internship through Project Search at our local hospital. He also has a girlfriend and a social calendar I can't compete with. Yes. Good I news. Love That's that. awesome. And brought by a friend. I know. Yes. Friendship. I love it when friends send notes into us. And I'm going to have to look up this Project Search. That sounds really cool. I know. All right, Mercedes, there's a drum roll for Mercedes because we know what it is. Oh, my goodness. You guys, a little slice of heaven has happened. Sunflower is potty trained. Oh, my gosh. Sunflower is potty trained. This is the good news of a down person raising a child with Down syndrome. Totally. Life in the younger years. Like, so it's been a long journey that it's almost like we've been in this rhythm. And I kind of think I've been in survival mode that I... I, I'm going. I'm celebrating, but I haven't quite like really taking it all in. Yeah, because I changed <laughs> her diaper for six years. Yeah, six solid years, and the last month, almost two months now. Well, I'll say month and a half. We just <laughs> said we're doing it. One day I just woke up and I said we're doing it. Cold turkey. We have no pull-ups in the house. Putting her in underwear. I'm gonna clean up pee and poop all the time and I just have to be okay with it and and I said that to Andy too you just have to be okay with it <laughs> team this is the team we <laughs> are doing this no matter what and then little by little she has slowly had less and less accidents um so it's helped for us because so we'll have two phases is using the little potty so mm-hmm. I just mm-hmm. make the little potty available it's just at our beck and call. And that's always been Sunny's MO. It has to be um, her doing. Like she has to pull yeah. down her own pants. She has to get on the potty on her own. And that's when she's successful. Mm-hmm. So we'll have to still do the part where we transition from a little potty up to sitting on the big potty. But um, 
I'm gonna take it. Oh my gosh, that's a She's that is called potty train. That is a win. That, <laughs> that is, good is news. a win. Sunflower, like we go in the car, she wakes up dry. Like we don't do pull ups at night. We go in the car, she doesn't have an accident. Um, so it's been huge. All at Halloween, we were out mm-hmm. and about. She had no accident. Yeah, that was a lot. That was a lot. A lot of commotion. A lot of commotion. A lot of fun. A lot of fun. Which she doesn't like to miss, so she would have accidents. So. Um, but she's gotten better with that. She's recognized her body. And I think it took a lot of accidents to recognize, yeah. you know, that Mercedes, we celebrate with you. Thanks, yes, guys. we do. And it's encouragement to... Great. <laughs> Sorry, I'm being hugged by Ace. Yeah. I love I'm it. To talk. <laughs> <laughs> encouragement to all the parents out there who've been potting training for a long time. Yes. Yes. A day will come. A day will come. A day will, a day will a come. A reckoning. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I know. And um, all shall be made right. (laughs) So true. Hang in there, you guys. And we will celebrate it with you. We had an episode where we had our friend Tesney on. And our actually our next you guys, our next podcast is episode fifty, which is a big freaking deal. And we're gonna revisit some of our favorite moments of over the fifty episodes. And she um, potty trained her son Krill, who was older and I don't remember like between 10 and 13 does anyone remember exactly I how old 12 okay yeah, 12. Yeah. I was right <laughs> it stuck with me because I'm like dear heavenly father not yeah. 12 <laughs> yeah and Kirill has, a, but that has a, unique, a unique experience but she said and she came on like we had her interviewed and then she yeah. said when Krill's if Krill's ever potty trained and so we had her on again just for good news which was yeah. fun so hang in there mamas and dads and caregivers and person with down syndrome who's having a hard time with the potty yes, you right. can do it sunny we celebrate that okay friends this is such a fun episode um and it's time to sound out sign out so if you are listening and you have some good news we really do love to hear from you and if you can leave us a voicemail at 424-442-9147 and share your good news and if you have a product or a business that would like to help us shout the worth of people with Down syndrome, we love partnering with brands who can help us sponsor this show. You can email us at hello at the lucky few for all of our sponsorship opportunities. Um, we also are doing a gift guide episode, which is going to be our last episode before we take a little break for the holiday season. And if you have a product that you know, families would love, um, and families, we're looking for all kinds of products. So we would love to look for products that are specific for families who have kids with disabilities. But also, if you make a sweet set of earrings, that could be rad too. Um, food, whatever it is. If you are a small business owner, we would love, love, love to get your message and your product out there. You can also head to the Lucky Few Podcast.com um, for application or go to the Lucky Few Pod on social media on Instagram for more information on how to apply for that. Do it ASAP because by the time you hear this episode, you have like a, a handful of days to actually get those products in our hands before we make a decision about who's going to be on the episode. And we, we're only doing a handful. So send those in, dear friends. A huge thank you, as always, to our editor and our producer, Andy Lara, and our co-producer, Val Schleter, and our sponsor for this episode, and to all of you who have shared the Lucky Few podcast with friends, who have listened faithfully, and who have cheered us on. Please don't forget to subscribe and leave a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Guys, I don't know if you realize this, but when you do that, then it gets out there more. The more reviews and the more downloads and the more subscriptions, the more people will get to hear these episodes and learn about how awesome it is to have a kiddo with down syndrome and then you can have a head over to the lucky few podcast.com to purchase your tickets for thursday november 21st we have so many opportunities here for you friends um but remember more than anything that you are dear listener supporting your loved one with down syndrome you are a shouter of worth and you are a narrative shifter so keep on keeping on we are cheering for you we will see you next monday on our 50th episode of the lucky few podcast Bye. 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 Thanks for listening to Lucky Few Podcasts. Remember to review our show on Apple Podcasts and check us out on all social media at the Lucky Few Pod. You can also support the show now via anchor.fm just by going to the website, scroll down to the bottom, and you can begin your support right now. Lastly, send us your good news by going to the luckyfewpodcast.com and sending us a message via text, voicemail, or email. See you next time.